through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Easiest question of the next three hours. If you were an NBA player, would you rather play for the Milwaukee Bucks or the Sacramento Kings? Hmm, let's think this out. Well, I think the answer is pretty clear. I think you'd probably rather play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, trade today, and today is the, the trade deadline, and the Bucks are, are, I think, really finding their stride. Big game tonight that you can hear on WTMJ, where it's it's actually a rematch of last year's NBA Finals. The Bucks play Phoenix at Phoenix. Phoenix um, has, I believe, the best record in the NBA, and, and they've... They're playing very well. The Bucks, after kind of like floundering a little bit, really appear to have found their stride. They're playing well. And I don't think it's any sort of surprise. I think people figured that the Bucks were going to try to make a trade at the deadline, not to trade any of their, their big pieces, but rather to find somebody who could help them out. And that appears to be what they've done. They've traded, and it, it's a multiple. It's, it's a trade that involves multiple teams, but the bottom line from the Bucks' perspective is they get 32-year-old power forward Sergei Abaka from the Los Angeles Clippers. He's a 6'10 power forward. He's been in the league 13 years, and I don't know that he's a household name necessarily. One of his claims to fame is he was drafted in 2008 by the Seattle Supersonics, <laughs> you know, um, and so now he plays for the Los Angeles Clippers. But Bucks fans might remember him because he, he spent a couple years with Toronto. And you will remember that year where the Toronto Raptors knocked off the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he was one of the big guys that they used to play very, very tough against Giannis. And so, I mean, the Bucks have seen what he could do. He's played 35 games for the Clippers this year. Averages 6.6 points and 4.3 rebounds. Over his career, he's averaged 12.3 points. They're not getting him, I don't necessarily think, to be a starter. They're getting him to provide quality minutes and get some rebounds off the bench, and I think it's good. The interesting thing is to get him... What they ended up having to do is they had to give up Dante DiVincenzo, who, um, 25 years old, has been, you know, since he was drafted by the Bucks, has been, I think, you know, a, a very important contributor. Um, he ended up getting hurt last year in the NBA playoffs and was hurt for a good portion of this year. Why they're trading him, I think, first of all, because they, they want to bring in Abaca, but also, I think he was scheduled to be a free agent at the end of this year. The Bucks had tried to negotiate a contract with him on an extension of his rookie contract, and, and that failed. So I think the Bucks were uh, afraid they were going to lose him or weren't willing to pay him what they thought he wanted, and so um, they've shipped him off and they've brought in this player. I think it's going to be a good move, and again, it, it's an exciting time. If you're a basketball fan in Wisconsin, this is it's an exciting time because you've got the Bucks that, like I say, I are playing 
very, very well. And I think, you know, once they really start to focus in, I think they've got as good a chance to repeat as the NBA champions as any other team has. The University of Wisconsin men's basketball team is playing extremely well. And my Marquette Warriors team, I know they call them the Golden Eagles, but, you know, us old Warriors just refuse to let that go. Um, they were predicted to finish ninth in the Big East. Uh, they're a, a real surprise. I think last time I checked, they're, they're fourth, I believe. I know they lost the game the other night. But they're <clears throat> playing extremely well, exceeding expectations. I think they're probably a lock for the NCAA basketball tournament as well. And once you get in there, who knows? So this is kind of a golden time for basketball fans in the state of Wisconsin. So how cool would that be? All right, let us get started. As I said in the intro, we, we've got... What I'm going to describe as an eclectic show. We're talking about some serious topics, and we're starting about and talking about some lighter topics too, and and some sort of slice of life things. As we kind of brand this show, sensible conversation for sane people. If you didn't hear the announcement today, the the Eagles, a band that goes back to the early 1970s. The Eagles are, are out on tour. They, they um, I think they, they go out on tour. I was, I was just looking. I think their first tour date is later on this month in Savannah, Georgia. And the, the Eagles, they're, they're playing like every night or every other night. They're really kind of making up for lost time. And they're, they're playing. It's been announced that they have added a date for their tour in Milwaukee. They're going to be playing on March 30th in, in Milwaukee. And so they haven't announced like any of the the costs yet of this. But again, they're they're back out on on tour. This is of course not the original Eagles because well, Glenn Fry, who was probably the driving force along with Don Henley, he passed away a couple of years ago. But it is Don Henley, it's Joe Walsh, it's Timothy B. Schmidt, and they are also touring with Deacon Fry, which is Glenn Fry's son, and Vince Gill. So they're, they're adding this in. Um, they have been there. I think they've been in Milwaukee before. They've been around, you know, quite a bit. They haven't announced the ticket prices yet for this. But I, I was doing a little bit of research this morning, and I was looking at what they're getting for ticket prices in some of the other venues they're playing. And I don't even talk about in the secondary market. I'm just talking about if you could go to Ticketmaster or and you you could buy the tickets. The the, the prices are kind of all over the map but for example if you wanted to go see the eagles in chicago you could get into the nosebleed seats for about 150 bucks this is not the secondary market um second deck in chicago around 250 bucks at 200 bucks and then if you wanted to be on the floor you're talking at least 250 bucks and and more and if you're talking about buying them in the secondary market multiply those numbers by two or three times and again it it might vary a little bit but that that gives you a range 150 bucks probably gets you in the door 300 bucks probably gets you towards the back on on the floor so you know you're taking your your spouse and you know you're you're it's it's a pricey sort of evening. There, there's no question about it. And, and that's been consistent with what the Eagles have done over the last several years. Whenever they come out on tour, they, they charge top dollar. And generally speaking, they end up getting it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mentioned this before. Over the last... Now, I, I, I am of that certain age 
that I saw a lot of performers. I was fortunate during the 70s and the 80s. You know, when I was growing up, I, I saw a lot of performers when they were in their heyday. So, I mean, I can remember going to, to see the Rolling Stones. I can remember seeing Fleetwood Mac. I've, I've seen the Eagles. I, I've seen Willie Nelson multiple occasions. I, I've seen these performers on, on many, many occasions. Over the last few years, what I found myself doing is whether it was trips to Las Vegas or whatever, I, I, I've gone back and I've seen some of these bands that are still touring when the, the main performers, first of all, some of them are gone, they've left the band, some of them died, and, and others are you know, in their 70s or, or 80s. I mean, I'm thinking about Journey and, and Rod Stewart, and I mean, the, the list goes on, Willie Nelson, all those different people. And I said this on the air about a year or two ago, I've sort of made share, saw share in Las Vegas, I sort of made this decision that I'm I'm done with the nostalgia acts. I would rather I'd rather spend a hundred dollars, fifty to a hundred dollars, to see some up and coming newer act that, that maybe hasn't completely broken through or, or maybe doesn't have the, the background of, of a of a band like the Eagles or or whatever. I'd rather spend fifty to a hundred dollars to see them than I would to spend $150 or $200 to see Willie Nelson or Bob Willie Nelson or Bob Dylan for the, the, the 30th time when they're charging two or three times as much money. And again, I never tell people how to, to spend their money. I mean it, it's you know your your choice is what you do. But when I saw this coming out, I was thinking, you know, I've seen the Eagles a couple times and you know, I'm looking at what undoubtedly these prices are going to be, and would I would I like to see the latest iteration of the Eagles? And, and yeah, is it nice to see Don Henley, even though he's probably you know in his mid 70s and stuff? And I'm glad he's touring. Yeah, or or Joe Walsh, who's still alive. Who would have thought that that would have necessarily been the case? Just like Keith Richards, but but the money. Do I want to pay 250 or 300 bucks to see them? And my answer is. I'd rather, like I say, spend 50 bucks to see some upcoming act that, that might be a star of the next generation. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about that? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I don't, you get to decide how to spend your money in any way you want. And the Eagles are coming to Milwaukee, and that's great. And I'm sure they're going to pack the house. I, I have no doubt about that. But the, the ticket prices are just absolutely through the roof. And I, I just kind of noticed a couple years ago that you know, I've seen all these bands on, on multiple occasions. And I, I don't know, at some point in time, do I want to spend another $300 to sit on the floor to see the Eagles again? Or would, would I rather just say, hey, I've seen them. I've seen them in their heyday. It, it's fine time to move on. Because candidly, some of these performances, and I'm not commenting on the Eagles, but I mean, I've seen some of these performers who probably should have hung it up a long time ago. And you walk out of there and you say, gosh, I just dropped 200 bucks. And I, I remember Rod Stewart was an example. I saw Rod Stewart in Vegas, and it, it was it was kind of painful to, to watch. It, it just flat out was. I saw Cher in Las Vegas. It was kind of painful to watch. And I mean, I, I appreciate they're, they're doing their best. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to, uh, let's start with Kelly in Slinger. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Well, I can tell you that the Eagles, um, 
are are amazing to see. We actually mm-hmm. saw them three years ago at Fiserv, and I think at the time we paid about five hundred dollars a piece, and that was tenth row center, which was amazing. It was well worth the money, in my opinion. Now, mm-hmm. my daughter, who is fifteen, just went to see Harry Styles a few months ago at Fiserv. Right. We paid a about $700 per ticket for a, new, a nosebleed seat. Did she enjoy the concert? <laughs> she better have, because I'll tell you what, it's not going to happen again. That's insane money. It is insane. That is God's way of telling you that you have too much money in that case. Um, okay, right. okay Kelly, let me ask you this. Okay, would you, you, you you said you dropped, it was about 500 a piece for the Eagles tickets. They're coming back. Would you spend $500 a piece for two more similar tickets to see them? No. No, no, nope, yeah. I wouldn't. I saw him. It was amazing. I don't need to yeah. see it again. Um, I've Got always it. wanted to see him. Bucket list. Uh, right. Wouldn't do it again. Got it. Okay, thanks. And I guess that that see, I guess that that's sort of I, I, that's sort of my point. And and my frame of reference is I've seen the Eagles on multiple occasions. I've seen Springsteen on multiple occasions. I and and generally speaking, you know, at at their at their heyday. And I, I, I'll, okay, everybody who's a regular listener knows I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. They haven't announced it yet, but Buffett's playing Alpine this summer. The last, exp- I, I, I hate Alpine. I just, I've hated it for years and years. That it's tough to get to. It's, it's a dump, in my opinion. If you love Alpine, sorry if I'm offending you. But you know, my, my brother would say, well, you know, Buffett's coming back. I don't have the date yet. He said, you want to go? I know you swore off Alpine. I said, no, I, I just, I just don't. I, I, I love Buffett, but I've seen Buffett. You know, I've 80 plus times if he's playing in Vegas in October, I'll go there to see him because then I get to go to Vegas. But 855-616-1620, Jeff, I'd rather spend that money on gas in a weekend getaway while playing their music on the car stereo on the way to the getaway place than toss away 250 bucks for each ticket and have my ears ringing for two days um jeff i've never seen willie nelson not the biggest willie nelson fan however you know this summer he's at a a small place um and again that's i'm I'm not saying don't go see willie nelson okay but i I, i've seen willie nelson 15 times and i remember the last time there's a chance to go see willie nelson and they were charging you know he's in his 80s and they were charging you know a, a what I would say was stupid money for the tickets. If you want to spend that, that's fine. But I'm like, okay, you know, I I could see a lot of I could I could do a lot with that money other than see a guy that I, I really saw in in the heyday. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Rich in Waukesha. Rich, you're on WTMJ. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Good. Well. I've seen some of these older bands that, uh, frankly, they don't have many original members of anymore. Mm -hmm. They have all kinds of stand-ins that are later. But actually, I've gone to the the Admirals games, and they've had, you know, a show afterwards with, uh, you know, some of these old bands. And actually, I just observed tons of older people, some even in canes, you know, and and walkers, but essentially a bunch of old boomers, you know, as people in their 60s and 70s paying extra money to get, you know, up front to kind of relive the heydays. To me, yeah. it was almost like they were taking money out of the pockets of, you know, who had the money, the boomers, uh, yeah. for as long as possible. It was just actually kind of a joke, but 
I I see that's exactly what some of these bands are doing. They're not in their heyday. Um, no, but I mean, but thanks to call, but I mean, they're raking well, but, people as much as they can for as long as they can. Well, yeah, I mean, but but at the same time, nobody's I mean, nobody's holding a gun to your head and saying you you got to go out and you got to spend three hundred dollars to see the the Rolling Stones. Um, I, the you know if, if you don't want to go see the Rolling Stones, I mean, no, nobody's holding a gun to your head to say okay, you, you got to drop three hundred bucks to sit on the floor at the Eagles concert, and, and people are going to be willing to do it. I, all I'm saying is I, I kind of made a decision a couple of years ago that I, I wasn't going to do that any, anymore, especially with the the acts that I've. Seen seen over the years because I found that I almost always walk away being disappointed. Not, not that but you would expect that. I mean, the, the truth is, if you saw a band in, in their 20s when they were at their creative finest, and, and now you know the, the performers are in their 70s, again, it, it's sort of like a, a nostalgia act, and you sit there hoping that they're going to play these you know, different um, songs. Jeff, if I, already, if I saw someone already, I'm not going to drop another $500 plus to see them again. That say, I might pay, spend a couple hundred bucks to watch somebody I haven't seen seen before um jeff there's only one original member of the eagles um yeah well that that's that's true too that would be don henley but but again i i'm it i'm sure it's going to be an entertaining evening jeff no band is worth five hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars to see you have too much money if you're willing to pay those prices well i don't know talk to people about the the super bowl and, and how much they're going to you know see for for that jeff i think it's sad how the same acts that were charging 20 to 10 to 20 bucks for a concert when they started are now charging hundreds sometimes thousands of dollars for the show well that there's an element of that jeff i agree with you i'm done viewing bands that i grew up watching just saw the stones in minneapolis good but not like seeing them in 75 with the eagles for ten dollars well again i I don't want us to all sound like the, the, the crotchety old boomers about, I remember when, and the tickets were this and that, and, and there is the inflation factor. And if you want to go see them, that, that's fine. You've got the disposable income. I, I'm, just, I, I'm interested that there's still that market that's out there that even people who have seen the Eagles on multiple occasions would be in a position that they're willing to drop, uh, if and not even the secondary market, but spend – 150 bucks for nosebleed seats, 300 bucks for floor seats, and if you go into the secondary market, you're talking two or three times that. I, I think, I think I'll stay home. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Kohler Services. Give them a call at 262-357-3300 or visit KohlerServicesWI.com to see what they have to offer. From inspiration to installation, reimagine your bathing experience and contact Kohler Services today for a free design consultation. All right. One of the things that, that's really taken off during during the pandemic, but it was big before that, is food delivery services. You know, you had a lot of restaurants that weren't able to serve in person because of lockdowns and things like that, even though we now know the lockdowns really didn't change anything dramatically other than hurt the businesses. But we had the lockdowns, and so some restaurants were, were making do on, on carryout and on on delivery and people have gotten used to that there is a certain convenience factor hey i really feel like culver's so but i don't want to leave my house because it's cold and it's snowing and whatever so here 
what I will do is I will go to one of these delivery services that are out there. Now, it always used to be when I was a kid growing up that, you know, if you wanted to order a pizza, I want a, I want a Ned's Pizza. Well, you'd call up Ned's Pizza, you'd order it, and Ned's Pizza would send out their delivery driver who would deliver that. Some places now still do delivery, but a lot of those places, those, you know, in-person delivery drivers who work for the restaurants have been replaced by things like DoorDash and, and Grubhub and things of the like. You know, independent companies where they have an app, you can go on their app, and what you can do is you can order stuff. Hey, I, I want I want that stuff from Culver's. So you can order the stuff, and then you order it through them, and then it ends up getting delivered. All right, well, here's here's the deal. Some of these delivery drivers, some of these delivery outfits, they don't have deals with the underlying restaurants. In other words, they haven't negotiated a contract with the restaurant to deliver the food. So what they'll do is they'll put up the restaurant's menu or they'll put a link to the restaurant's menu or they'll repurpose the restaurant's menu and somebody will go to a Grubhub or whatever and they'll say, okay, I, I want this stuff. And then Grubhub will go get it independently. But Culver's, let's take Culver's as an example because Culver's doesn't deal with this stuff. Culver's doesn't know that it's it's not you know, selling stuff to the person who's ultimately going to consume it, all they know is that they're suing, selling it to somebody who's coming in, not understanding that that person might package it up and, and then drive somewhere else. And there's no requirement in Wisconsin that that you have to, if you're a delivery service, that you have to have a relationship, a contract, for example, and permission from the underlying restaurant to do this. And this has become a huge controversy because there's a lot of restaurants that are, are upset because what happens is, let's say you've got this third-party delivery service that, that makes arrangements to deliver you know, Jeff's subs to you know, somebody's place. And what happens is they get overwhelmed or something, so by the time they go to Jeff's subs, buy the subs, and deliver them to where they're delivering them, that the things, they're cold or whatever, or the order's wrong or whatever. And what happens is the ultimate consumer, they don't necessarily get mad at the delivery service. They get mad at Jeff's subs, or they get mad at Cousins, or they get mad at um, Culver's or whatever. They say, hey, you know, we, we got this food from Culver's, and it was, you know, it was just awful because it was cold or, or whatever. And the folks at Culver's say, well, it's, it's not us. You didn't, you didn't make arrangements to get the delivery from us. But that doesn't stop it. People, you know, go on Yelp or whatever, and they say, I, I just got this stuff delivered from Culver's, and it's, it's awful. Now, I use Culver's as an example because Culver's is one of these companies that doesn't, they don't make deals with third-party delivery services. And yet what they found is that there were third-party delivery services which were, again, representing their menu and were distributing them to things. Uh, Grubhub, which is based in Chicago, um, they, they got a lot of criticism, and, and they've agreed to remove Culver's from their platform. But Grubhub continues to offer deliveries from non-partnered restaurants. That, that's the phrase. DoorDash, which is based in San Francisco, um, ha, has in the past done this. They, they say, that, however, that they've stopped adding restaurants without their permission for about the last year or so. But 
but they're not required by law to, to do that. So what's going on in Madison now is this is a bipartisan effort. You've got both Republicans and Democrats who are saying, here, here, here's the deal. We want to protect the underlying restaurants. And so they're looking at legislation which would stop these third-party delivery services from being able to deliver from what they say is non-partnered restaurants. If the delivery service wants to deliver from Jeff Subs, they've got to cut a deal with Jeff Subs. And the rules would provide disclosure to the consumers about you know what what the fees are and things like that so the delivery service isn't competing with like Jeff Subs delivery or things like that. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I confess I am not a user of the Grubhub and the DoorDash stuff and, and things like that. I mean, I will often order from carryout and, and then I'll go, you know, end up and, and pick it up. Um, I, I don't. I honestly don't remember the last time I used a, a delivery service for food. But at the same time, I guess from my perspective, if I'm the restaurant, I, I think it's my product going out. I think I should have some control over that. And while I'm not big on on laws and stuff like that, I think it's more than reasonable to say that before a third party can come in and deliver my food and charge customers things, that they should have to have a deal with me. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, restaurant manager here. We refused to make a deal with Uber Eats. They wanted 30% of the bill. We loved it when DoorDash came in, never asked for a contract, and they brought us a ton of business. If there was ever a problem, I told the customer to call DoorDash, and they would always take care of it. Culver's, for example, doesn't doesn't do deals with the these delivery services and you know they, they've had an ongoing problem with Grubhub because even though there's not an arrangement with Grubhub Grubhub continues to like sell Culver stuff on on their website and they say look here's the problem our guests aren't happy our franchises aren't happy the food is delivered cold it's not per their order prices are always wrong on the websites the menus always wrong on the websites they always seem to have items that haven't been on our menu for years and so it's an ongoing problem and then the people when they don't get what they ordered they're they're unhappy at, at Culver's so what they're doing in Wisconsin is they're looking at legislation which would say you you have to you have to have a contract in order to deliver the stuff from the restaurant you as a delivery service have to have the deal with the restaurant giving you permission to do that and then the prices and stuff have to be disclosed etc i don't have a problem with that 855-616-1620 robert in bayside hi robert hello hey i i agree with you uh 100% uh if i owned a restaurant i would not want a random delivery service showing up representing me uh i think the wra is going to rule uh pretty heavy in this they've got a lot of clout in this state and they should i mean it's their deal uh i i agree with you wholeheartedly yeah well i mean i guess it's just i, I mean I, I appreciate that these services provide a, a service and, and i mean i can understand why restaurants would want to cut deals because it increases their business but you'd also want to have some sort of control over this because 
people don't, I, I think a lot of people just don't separate the fact that, hey, I, I ordered a pizza from Jeff's Pizza and it, it's it's soggy, it's cold, etc. They don't necessarily take it out on the delivery service. They think, hey, I got a crappy pizza from Jeff's Pizza, and, and they take it out on them. That's why I think that the businesses should have some degree of control over over what it is, and maybe a business like Culver's just says, look, it's not worth it. We don't want our stuff delivered because we can't control quality. They should have the right to do that, I think. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Thank you. Thank, thanks for the call, Robert. Appreciate it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, last uh, January, Fox 6 covered a story about Ian's Pizza in Milwaukee having the same issue with Grubhub and others adding the, to their menu, adding their menu without their, their permission. Right. And I mean, I think, again, it's, it's in the interest of the restaurants, it seems to me, to to offer their product on, on these various delivery services. I, so it's a mutually beneficial thing, but I, I do think the restaurants have the right to have some degree of quality control. And keep in mind also, the, these different delivery services, for example, they are in some respects competing with the independent delivery service that Jeff's Pizza might, might choose to offer. So I think Jeff's Pizza gets to have some control over that, or at least should have some control over that. Let's talk to Teresa in Illinois. Hi, Teresa. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going? Good. What do you I think? got a valuable insight from uh, a couple of different aspects, and you just hit one of them. I delivered uh, full-time for DoorDash until, up until last year. So um, I've, I was familiar with a lot of restaurants in my area because it was my hometown, so I knew a lot of them. Sure. One of the problems with cold food, there's two reasons. Most of the delivery services hire any Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to drive and deliver. Mm-hmm. They don't train them properly. They don't have bags to carry them in. I was very conscious on keeping the customers' food cold or cold or warm if they had ice cream. They provide sure. you with hot bags to deliver. Ninety percent of the drivers don't use them. The other reason that they could have cold food is DoorDash, for instance, pushes out every single order to the driver at two dollars and fifty cents. Flat fee, base fee. So you could be ordering and you're getting service fees and delivery fees. That isn't going to the driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the tip is what, what pushes me to take an order. So if you don't leave a tip for the driver with your order, the driver's only getting $2.50 and I'm not picking it up and your food isn't going anywhere. It's sitting in the restaurant getting cold. Right. Right, right, right. So that's right. part of the reason why it's getting cold. Um, so the, the the fact, the point that you just touched on, is some restaurants do have their own platforms that say, um, I'm just going to throw one out there, uh, Chipotle. You can order Chipotle on Chipotle's website, and they push it out to DoorDash. So you don't know sure. your food is coming from DoorDash. Got it. So sure. um, in that case, the merchant is keeping the tip. Papa John's, if they're short drivers, they'll call DoorDash to deliver. They'll keep the tip, and DoorDash will deliver the, the food. So it's a lot of misconceptions in a lot of different areas from restaurants and people um, ordering the customers. It's not always the driver's uh, restaurant's fault or the driver's fault. 
the customer could just be cheap and wondering why they're not getting their food. It's because I'm not the, I'm not driving eight miles for two dollars. Yeah, no, and I get it. And Teresa, thanks, thanks for calling. I get that. I guess my my point is, regardless of of what the arrangements are, I I think a restaurant should be able to have control over over the the product and and at least if somebody's going to use a delivery service and again like i was saying earlier i understand that there is an advantage to using the delivery service to the restaurant because you know if you've got uber eats or grubhub or doordash or whichever one you use on there i mean it's and you know and and that's how you use it and that's how you get food it's an advantage to the restaurant because you know people are buying the food there but at the same time you have no control over the quality and that's why I mean, I think, I mean, I'm going to give credit to DoorDash. That's why DoorDash, from my understanding, they stopped doing this. They, they stopped delivering to unpartnered restaurants because I, I think they, they recognized it was just causing too much of a problem. Some of the other delivery services don't do that. I think the restaurant has every right to say, look, we, we're going to control our, our products, and if you want a delivery, all right, if we got this deal with DoorDash, that's fine. We've made these arrangements. We've got our certain quality control things. We've worked out the finances. Whatever that's going to be, I think they have the right to do that. Um, this idea that you can just go in and sort of roguely pick up food and then deliver it, I, I think – I think that that's wrong, and I think the restaurant should have the ability to control it, and that's what this legislation would do. I agree with our first caller, Robert from Bayside. My, my sense is this is something that's going to pass. Now they might have to work around the details a little bit with regard to you know what what exactly has to be disclosed and stuff, but I think this is going to have bipartisan support, and I think it, it protects the restaurants. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. A lot of times when you have bad days in the stock market, there's no rational reason for it. There's no economic news that's causing it to happen. It's just... I don't know, people panic and people freak out about stuff, and then a couple days later it comes back. Today, bad day in the stock market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average right now down 420 points. The NASDAQ down 211. It's had worse days. But at least today, for whatever it's worth, there is a reason why the market is down, and it's down big. And that is because the inflation numbers are out, and they are awful. There, if, and, and you have perhaps noticed this in some respects. We are paying right now, generally on average across the, the country, you're paying about twice as much now for a gallon of gasoline as you were paying two years ago, uh, twice as much. The numbers that came out in U.S. inflation last month accelerated to a rate of 7.5% annually. That is a new four-decade high. Um, the consumer price index, which measures what consumers pay for goods and services, was last month at its highest level since February of 1982, when compared with January a year ago, and higher than December's 7% annual rate. Inflation has been above 5% for the past eight months. So essentially, during, during most of the Biden term, what you've seen is inflation 
you know, running running rampant. So on the one hand, the good news is that people are you, you've seen price, you've seen salary increases and things like that. If you're on Social Security, you you got a bump. But the reason you got a bump on Social Security was because it's tied to the cost of living, and the cost of living in general has gone up more than the increase that you've gotten. So your raises have been eaten up by increases in the cost of of living. The Wall Street Journal has a story today. Higher inflation is probably costing you, on average, $250 a a month. So that's just $250 disappearing from your purse or wallet every month. It's not buying you more stuff. It's not helping you invest in and make more money. It's just poof, 250 bucks a month on average gone. They say the squeeze stems from higher prices across a range of products and services, including cars, gasoline, furniture, and groceries. $250 a month, the real cost of inflation. Now, it's true that the price for certain goods and services jump more than the prices of others, which means that um, you know some people have, have been have had to pay more. If you needed to replace your washing machine, well, you ended up having to pay more. Research shows that inflation is also squeezing some groups, on average, more than others. And what they say in particular is if you are, if you're a member of the middle class, middle class households, um, you, you've, you've had to pay even more because you typically depend more on gasoline than some other people do. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this this is an issue that, that President Biden is clearly trying to downplay. You know, he, he doesn't like to talk about the spiraling costs of inflation other than to say, well, you know, we're, we're, we're getting more people back to work, which is all, it's, it's a good thing. But as far as people and their buying capacity and their ability to improve their lives, again, if, if on average you're losing just $250 a month just up in smoke with increased costs, costs nobody's getting better. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you noticing increased prices, and is it impacting you in any sort of meaningful way? You know, for years and years, you, you didn't. inflation was just not something that, that we had to worry about other than in theory or in economics class. Now, this is a real thing with prices going through the roof. I'm not sure, though. That, that people are, are noticing it or that it's really starting to impact lifestyle uh, choices. Go to the grocery store. Look at what a pound of bacon costs. You know, look at what meat costs. Look at how expensive some things have gotten. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Are you starting to feel the pinch of inflation? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeff, my Wee Energies bill is way up more than 7%. Like, wow, yeah, we talked about that a week or so ago. It's really sticker shock. If you're getting your Wee Energies bills and you're looking at the cost of your utilities, you're seeing that, that absolutely go through the roof. And I don't know that there's any end in sight. Jeff, 
our administration said the last six to eight months has said it's transitory, and I'm sure they would never fib to us. The sad part is inflation is very real, and it's infecting our country at an extreme rate. I own a small construction company. We normally give our guys a dollar raise every year. That dollar raise will not even cover the cost of inflation for this year, so we are considering giving double, which, which is all well and good. And, and this is me saying that, but once they end up doing that, you know, they're going to have to raise the prices that they charge in order to cover the cost of those increased wages. Um, Jeff, did you ever think you'd see a $10 chicken sandwich at Wendy's? Hmm, I don't know. Is that what? I haven't been to Wendy's in ages. Um, Jeff, I track it by the price of a can of Pringles. It used to be a dollar. Now it's a dollar forty-nine. Jeff, uh, inflation is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's directly tied to Joe Biden and the things he's done. Um, I can't say I'm terribly affected by it, but it does bother me because I like to save money and I don't like to pay for things simply because of somebody's bullheadedness or attitude on this. My biggest example, of course, is the shutting down of pipeline production throughout our country, which caused natural gas and automobile gas to go through the roof compared to the previous administration. Jeff, inflation is getting out of hand. I'm not sure it's fair to, uh, to compare today's gas prices when everybody's back to work um, than it was two years ago. But no, even if you look at pre-pandemic stuff, I mean, pre-pandemic, two years ago, pre-pandemic, what were you talking about with gasoline prices? A dollar whatever, a dollar and a half, a dollar sixty, dollar seventy. Now you're paying well into the $3 range. Um, Jeff, you bet it's hurting us. We run a farm. The cost of our diesel fuel is up double. The extra cost is coming right off our bottom line. Um, Jeff, if the price of beef and pork don't come down along with Lake Perch being at $28 a pound, I'm going to become a vegetarian whether I like it or not. That's from Pete. Well, you know, that you, that's, that's just, it's a small, talk about perch. You go to a restaurant on Friday nights, good luck trying to find perch. I mean, good luck trying to find it because it's scarce. And also, if you find it, chances are you're going to be paying incredible amounts for it. Jeff, try buying cheese at the deli. Um, Yikes. Um, Jeff, current inflation, high inflation, is accelerating the divide between the haves and have-nots. There is there is an element of, of that that's true. I mean, inflation, and this is something that the Biden administration doesn't want to grapple with, inflation is very what you would call regressive. A, a, regress, a regressive tax, for example, is something that hurts lower-income people more than upper-income people. Okay? So if, if you're... If you are an upper income person, for the sake of argument, you know, and gasoline is three fifty a gallon, you don't like paying three fifty a gallon for it, but it's not you, you can afford it. It's not going to be the difference between I don't know being able to buy food or not. On the other hand, if you you don't have that that sort of wherewithal, and all of a sudden you've seen gasoline prices go up and you still got to drive your car, well, that money's got to come from somewhere, and maybe it's coming from the food budget or something like that. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Ron in Janesville. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, I was telling your screener, not only is uh, this affected my, my gas and my food, I know I'm, I'm spending over $200 more a month this year than I did last year on gas, but as far as hobbies, uh, one of my hobbies is, is I, I shoot uh, clay targets with a shotgun. Uh, last year, a box of 25 shells cost about 6 bucks. Now it's 10 or $12 for 
for a box of 25 to go shoot at the Waukesha Gun Club. And, and the other thing that kind of gets me is I've been waiting for a tax return for over a year of uh, $6,500. I wonder if the, if the IRS got the money back to us. We might spend more money. <laughs> so it's just, well, <laughs> the IRS is all screwed up. The government screwed up many ways. So you haven't so, gotten a tax it, you it, So you're it, still it, waiting for your 2021 tax refund? Yeah, $6,500. I've called. They were answering, and they said they were going to get to it. Now it's just an automatic uh, uh, message saying they're going to look at it. And I've, I mean, and I don't, this year my son had his done, and he said they told him, don't be expecting to get, you know, it very quickly. And I just, I can't figure it out. It's, you know, it's my money. Why don't they, they, they get it back? I might spend it, but I mean, uh, I'm, well, I guess it, I'm blaming it, Joe Biden for this because get some more people working on the IRS. Well, and here, of course, here's the flip side. I don't want to go too, too far down a rabbit hole, but if you, okay, if you, if the situation were reversed and you owed the IRS sixty five hundred bucks and you didn't pay, right about now you'd be looking at interest and penalties or something like that. Oh yeah. So. Oh yes, yes, I know. And I, yeah. I, I keep telling my wife, "What am I did? I think I'll try that." She said, "No, you won't." I said, "Well, no, yeah. I mean, I, it's yeah. just it's so frustrating because I, I you know we always used to do this. It was our vacation money." Every year. Yeah. Well, we're not taking vacation because of it. Well, you know, when you don't take vacation, that, that hurts the people that have motels and, and uh, right. rental cars and, and airline tickets and all that stuff, too. And, and so it's, it's kind of a, a you know, escalating thing. I so got it. Hey, thanks just, for the call. Uh, I, I appreciate know. it. Good, good luck. I, I mean, I, all I can tell you is good luck. <laughs> I got it. Jeff, I haven't gone out to eat in a long time or bought any steaks either. A few days ago, I got three and a half pounds of ground beef for twenty one thirty four. Hmm. Three and a half, twenty-one bucks for less than four pounds of ground beef. I've only been driving my truck when I have to. I drive my wife's car more. I'm getting tired of sitting home because we can't afford to go anywhere. Jeff, the sad thing is the price of the text. The sad thing is the prices will probably never go back down. Biden administration policies have done just the opposite of what they campaigned on by helping the little guy. Well, that is see that that's the story, and that's this insidious nature of inflation. And that's why when, when we talk about politics, it drives me crazy some of the issues that, for example, Republican politics are talking about, about what, you know, was the 2020 election stolen and stuff like that, when everybody should be talking about these things that are affecting average people on a daily basis, like how much you pay for bacon, how much you pay for hamburger, how much you're paying for gas. Those are the pocketbook issues that I think resonate with people. Um, Mike in Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. How's it going? Good. What do you think? I, I, you mentioned a pound of bacon. You, you mentioned a pound of bacon more than once. A pound of bacon is no longer a pound. It's 14 ounces. A half a gallon of ice cream is six cups. We've shrunk the packaging and kept the prices the same over the last decade and more, confusing people into thinking prices haven't actually gone up. From a box of cereal to 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 anything you buy in the grocery store before inflation was claimed to be the problem the, the the packaging was simply shrunk i'm not faulting the manufacturers i'm simply saying we haven't been honest with there's been price increasing going on for a time and so it's not just inflation it's attitudinal does inflation affect me absolutely it does it, but we're fortunate in our in our circumstances we're not we're not hand to mouth. We're not paycheck to paycheck. Thank heavens. Uh, but we're, you know, because of COVID, we haven't been going out. So money we would have been spending in a restaurant or or another venue prior to the pandemic, 
we just weren't spending. Now when I look at my checkbook, now I look at my energy bill, I see my money is going out. The state just approved, regulators for the state of Wisconsin just approved, increased carrier costs and hookup fees for uh, the utilities in terms of the, the administrative fees. Plus, then the market is bearing greater expense for natural gas and for the generation of electricity. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, people are saying, well, this has been 40 years of uh, the highest in 40 years. Absolutely. Um, it's just it's a shock for a generation and a half that had didn't have to deal with inflation. I can remember my mom and dad making choices when I was in school over whether or not we were going to buy this or whether we were going to be able to do that. Um, and that's what I'm afraid we're going to be up against pretty soon again. And it's it's. it's it's a frustration for the folks who I know were trying hard and trying to do everything fair and right, who are getting caught in in yeah. between the the grist wheels of of higher profits for the, those of us who are shareholders, and and the folks who are trying to to make a go of feeding their kids and keeping them safe. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. Or, or or trying to buy buy homes and, and things like that. I mean, I you, you look at interest rates is a, is a related sort of factor. I mean, the and I, I understand that, that sometimes people think, oh, it was just it was just you know back in the the, the baby boomers had it so easy, and back in the seventies and eighties. And I, I mean, you forget what it was like when 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 we bought our first house. I, I mean, I think the thirty year fixed rate mortgage was probably ten percent, something like that. Now, and, and it was just it, it was it was just daunting for first time home buyers. And so you know what we ended up doing is I think we got a five year adjustable at a much more affordable rate, and hoped that the rates went down. And thankfully they, they did before all those payments came due but you know it's it's the factor for first-time home buyers now mortgage rates are still relatively low but but those are starting to go up as well I, I guess this this is a bigger deal and, and just it's kind of frustrating to me that some people are just kind of like downplaying it nothing to see here there, there is a lot to see here I do believe some of this is caused by the pandemic and supply chain shortages others I think have been caused directly by some of the government's fiscal policies but this this is the issue people should be talking about because this is the issue that relates to that people can relate to when they, they go to put gas in their car or they go to pay we energies or whatever the utility company is these are the things we need to be paying attention to because it's bad now and it's getting worse back with more in just a minute this is Jeff Wagner you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It is definitely an undercovered story because the, the mainstream media doesn't want to focus on this. And the New York Times is probably going to win, but candidly, it, it's a demonstration of why things need to change. There's a, a defamation trial going on in New York federal court right now involving Sarah Palin and the New York Times. If you haven't been following this story, what happened was back in 2017, you will remember that there was the, the crazy guy who ended up shooting at various congressmen who were um, out practicing for uh, like a, a Republican versus Democrat baseball game. And, and one of the Republican congressmen who was shot was a guy named Steve Scalise. So this was 2017. The New York Times decided in the aftermath of that to write an editorial. All right, that that's all well and good, decrying the, the state of, of violence. And they had an editorial writer who wrote it. And then they had a former editor of the New York Times who rewrote this. And they had a fact checker who looked at it. 
But, you know, nobody apparently caught this because this is the paragraph that they stuck in after this 2017 shooting. This is what they wrote. In 2011, when Jared Lee Loeffner opened fire in a supermarket parking lot, grievously wounding Representative Gabby Giffords and killing six people. Remember, she was the congresswoman from, from Arizona at the time. So in tw- this is what they write. In 2011, when Jared Lee Loeffner opened fire in a supermarket parking lot, grievously wounding Representative Gabby Giffords and killing six people, including a nine-year-old girl, the link to political incitement was clear. Before the shooting, Sarah Palin's Political Action Committee circulated a map of targeted electoral districts that put Ms. Giffords and 19 other Democrats under stylized crosshairs. Okay, that's the New York Times editorial in the wake of the the shooting. They, They clearly, I think pretty clearly say that the reason Gabby Giffords got shot by this Jared Lee Loeffner was because of... Sarah Palin running this particular, her political action committee running this particular ad. Now, that's a pretty powerful charge to make, that, you know, you have this politician who is now, her ads are responsible for somebody else getting shot. That's what they put in in 2017. Now, there's no secret that the New York Times had been hostile to Sarah Palin since 2008. But, but okay, that, that that's their opinion, except... This is the classic definition of fake news. And I understand some people don't like it because it's got Trumpian overtones, but, but this, this was fake news. This is a lie. It is false in the extreme because, as the New York Times knew at the time, there was no relation to this Sarah Palin ad and the shooting of Gabby Gibbards. The, the guy that did it, was a nutcase who had been stalking her and was obsessed with her. It had nothing at all to do with this particular political ad. As a matter of fact, there's no evidence that the guy that shot it ever saw the ad. He was just a nutcase who had been stalking her, had nothing to do with Sarah Palin. And yet the editor of the New York Times editorial page puts in this phrase saying, well, okay, the the reason Gabby Giffords got shot and the reason these six people were killed was the link to political incitement because of this action committee thing. It was false in the extreme. And so there is now this libel trial, this defamation trial that's going on. The editor testified over the last couple of days, and essentially the defense they had was, we admit we were wrong, but but oops, we oops, we made a mistake. We we really we just didn't think it would be interpreted the way other people interpreted this. Oops, we were wrong. Sorry. Well, all right. Because of the standards of law and and the need to prove what they call actual malice, which means that you have to prove not only was it false, and everybody agrees that this was false, but you have to also prove that it was done with the actual malice, that is, with the knowledge that it was false, not just merely a mistake, and with, or again, with just gross disregard for the truth. So the New York Times defense here is, well, it just, we didn't mean it like this. We didn't think it would be interpreted in this particular way. So, oops, we're, we're, we're sorry. Now, because the standard of actual malice is so high, and because Sarah Palin is a controversial public figure in and of herself. I, I won't be surprised 
if at the end of the day that the New York Times ends up quote-unquote winning. Now, I say winning because it's been a Pyrrhic victory because the, the New York Times, during the whole course of this trial, has, has had to acknowledge that they were, were wrong that this was a, a mistake, their argument just is, well, we didn't do it intentionally, there wasn't the abs- actual malice here, so we, we shouldn't have to pay Sarah Palin for, for defaming her. Now, they, they may ultimately win this, but I think it's causing a lot of people to look at what goes on in the mainstream media and wonder, you know, is, is this fair? I mean, should you be able to write these things and say these things about people without regard for the truth of things and then hide behind this actual malice standard? So I won't be surprised if ultimately Sarah Palin doesn't win. This is not a good day for the mainstream media. And I do think at some point in time, a lot of people are going to take a long look at, you know, what what the media can say and what they can do and how they can avoid being held accountable for this. And and you know what? Maybe that's the appropriate sort of thing because right now the New York Times defense is, oops, yes, we, we, we were wrong. And we should have known we were wrong, but we really, we just, we made a mistake. Sorry, no harm, no foul. I, I don't know. And if people wonder where the phrase fake news comes from, and you don't like fake news, well, th- this is the type of stuff. This was fake news in the extreme. And I'm not going to be surprised, that, like I say, if at some point in time, maybe we reexamine some of these standards to hold media outlets maybe a little bit more accountable than they have been held over the years. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, can I see a show of hands? All right, everybody that's got a mortgage, you got, got a home mortgage, wouldn't it be nice if you woke up tomorrow and all of a sudden that mortgage just disappeared? You know, that, that promise that you made to pay the bank that's like stifling you because every month you've got to write the check to the bank or the mortgage company, and that means that you, you can't buy tickets to the Eagles or all those sort of things. Wouldn't it be nice if those payments just disappeared? Can I see a show of hands? Everybody that's got a car loan. You know, and every month you've got to write a check to the, the car finance place. Wouldn't it be nice if just you woke up tomorrow and that those that car payment was gone, and you don't have to send that that money every month off to those car places because you know think of all the things that you could do with with that extra money. You know, you could you could you know buy more gasoline for your car or things like that. Wouldn't wouldn't that be nice? Well, yeah, it would be nice, but it, it's not going to happen. All right. Over the last two years, there have been, right now, there's millions of Americans that owe money with student loans, and they have not had to make any payments on those student loans, essentially for the better part of two years. As it stands now, that moratorium on payments is scheduled to end May 1st. So people who have not had to pay a dime on their student loans are going to now have to start resume resuming making their payments. Now, this is causing people to bring up the whole issue once again of how Joe Biden should step in and he should start canceling student loans. And the argument is, well, look, if if people didn't have to pay their loans off, think of all the different things that they could do. Think of all the other money they could spend on stuff. So, There is pressure, and there are some people who argue that Biden has the authority, without even going through Congress, to cancel up to $50,000 in student loans. 
And wouldn't that be nice to just make all that go away? In other words, have the taxpayers pick up the tab for all this money that people have borrowed in good faith. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I understand that, that having any sort of debt is, whether it's, consumer debt, you know, people who've run up money on their credit cards, or whether it's home mortgage debt, or all these other sorts of debt. I I understand that means that you have to make tough choices, and maybe it means you have to delay doing something or other. Last time I checked, though, nobody held a gun to anybody's head and said, hey, you know, you want to go to law school. Well, well, here, take out the loans for this. Here, you want to go to some Ivy League school and get a degree in English. You know, here, you, you you have to do that. Nobody held a gun to anybody's head and made them make the decision to, I don't know, take out a student loan. So after two years of not having to make payments, should we continue the moratorium or should we just confront the issue? Should the government simply say, we're going to wipe away huge chunks of debt and all you people who borrowed stuff in good faith, well, forget about it. You don't have to pay it back. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I mean, I just, I, I read these stories, and, and I just, I kind of shake my head. I mean, if we're going to forgive student debt, student loan debt, well, why, why don't we just forgive mortgage debt? Why don't we forgive auto debt? Why don't we forgive uh, credit card debt? 855-616-1620. What do you think? Time to wipe away student debt. And for all those of you who, I don't know, worked your way through college or worked and saved to put your kids through college, if, if we just wipe away all the student loan debt, are, are those, are you people, are you chumps? Because, you know, you did it the hard way. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Okay, before we go to the phones, let me just read you a handful of the texts that we're getting. Jeff, grab a mop. My head just exploded. Jeff, yes, the government should wipe away huge chunks of debt. It would be a great way to stimulate the economy. It would allow people to spend money on lots of other things. I, I, okay, now my head is getting ready to explode. Well, well, yeah, if all of a sudden we said, hey, that house that, you know, you, you owe $250,000 mortgage on that house, you don't have to make those payments anymore. Yes, it would be a great way, I guess, to stimulate the economy because then you could spend that money. Why, we don't have to make that car payment. You bought that car payment, you owe sixteen grand. Forget it. We'll take care of that. Isn't it the same principle of this. Um, Jeff, I've been paying my wife's federal student loans for the last two years as if minimum payments and interest were not paused. They'll be paid off next month. $26,000 in debt gone. Take advantage of being what's being offered and stop complaining, people. Um, <laughs> Jeff, how about erase my mortgage and my truck payment? I'll be stimulating a lot of things. Um, well, there you go. Jeff, I'm fine with $50,000 worth of student debt being erased as long as every taxpayer gets a $50,000 check. I was able to pay off eighty grand worth of student loans the hard way by working my rear end off. This is an all-or-nothing deal for people. You just can't pick and choose who would get the handout. Well, there's... Um, there's there. Um, yes, um, Jeff, full disclosure, I lean left and watch your show to keep myself centered. Uh, I agree that wiping out student loan would cause chaos for inflation, uh, inflation, the housing market, and lots more. Let's start with Chris in Columbus. Hi, Chris. You're on WTMJ. Hi. I just have a thought. 
instead of wiping out the debt, why not just forgive the interest on the debt? I mean, everybody else has payments, like previous callers have said. Everybody else has payments. I've got payments. You know, I didn't run up credit card debts. Um, I, I picked and chose what I, you know, what I could buy based on what money I made. And, you know, I made it. Mm-hmm. Not a problem yep. for me. So just forgive the interest. That well, or, well, Chris, thanks for the call. See, and I, I think you might be honest. I, I'm not going to say forgive the interest, but one of the things that I think people could, could get behind is allowing interest to be renegotiated at closer to market levels. Because I, I understand that some people who put, put out these student loans are paying brutal sort of interest rates where so that when they took them out you know they, they paid these these higher interest rates and they agreed to that whereas is now okay you know i don't know what the mortgage rate is right now it's a little bit over three percent or whatever i in, instead of paying these usurious um types of, of interest rates if you wanted to talk about hey we're, we're going to announce this program we're going to allow these things to be refinanced and we're going to refinance them at a much closer to market level interest rates so people are still responsible for this but you know you're not in one of these situations that you get trapped in like with the credit card payments if you're only making the minimum payments I, I, I'd have to look at the math but I would be open to something like that Michael in West Dallas Michael you're on WTMJ Michael. Michael, Michael. Okay, let's talk to Kevin in Grafton. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I I was telling your screener, I I just recently made my last student loan payment about a month ago, and um, I'm in my early 40s, so, you know, I've had 20 years of that kind of hanging over my head. Um, Right. And I decided to make additional payments just to get that off my books financially and my family's, you know, financials. And, you know, the precedent that's being set, um, you know, I had to work multiple jobs during college to try to offset the cost of going to a private school in addition to, you know, getting this finally in my early 40s, you know, eliminated. And, you know, what are we trying to set the the pace for future generations as to, well, you know, you take on the risk of going to school and the financial burden. And then, well, if you don't feel like paying it, you can, you know, squawk loud enough and you might have that relieved. And, you know, as someone who's trying to teach a young family about financial responsibility, you know, I think we're setting ourselves up to fail down the road. No, I mean, thanks. Absolutely. I mean, thanks for the call. I mean, in, in look, I, okay, my, my late wife um, went went to law school, took out student loans. We, we paid off every dime, and I did the same thing that you did. I mean, we paid a little bit extra because I wanted to get out from under the thing. It was, it was great that that loan, those loans were available because it allowed her to go to law school when she probably otherwise wouldn't have been able to do it. But there was this this obligation. You know, I don't, I didn't expect the taxpayers to to pick up the tab for that. Jeff, I work for a tax preparation company. I've seen instances where the tuition was only twenty five thousand, was only twenty five hundred, but they took out a loan for ten thousand. No way that should be forgiven. Yeah, that, that's the thing because you know in, in many cases you had the maximum student loans that you could take out, and it it didn't necessarily tie into the tuition. Look, I understand that the argument that, hey, wouldn't it be great if people didn't have to pay back money? I I understand it. It would be great if you could eat all the ice cream you want and not gain weight. Okay, I I get all that. That, That's fine. But this idea that we're going to wave a magic wand to people who have gone in 
gotten the educations. They've gotten the deals. They've gotten the benefit of the bargain and just say, okay, forget it. We're going to have other people pick up the tab. And you want to talk about regressive. We, we were discussing that a little while ago. All right, so somebody, you, you've got somebody that's got $50,000 in student loan debt because they, they've got an English degree from an Ivy League school. Explain to me why somebody who's making $45,000 a year or $50,000 a year, you know, working on an assembly line, Explain. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Now, I want to be really clear here. When people break the law, I, I have no sympathy for them. And, and I don't care whether that's social justice, Black Lives Matter protesters who see a protest turn into a riot like what happened in Kenosha or what happened in in Madison a while back, or whether it's people who believe that the 2020 election was stolen and who go to Washington, D.C. and decide to storm the Capitol for whatever purpose they decided to storm the Capitol. No, I have no tolerance at all for that. When people violate the law, they, they need to be held accountable, period. End of story, regardless of what the motive is. So I, with that background, though, I have to acknowledge I'm a little bit sympathetic to something that's going on in in Canada. Now, maybe you've seen the headlines of this, but there, there's a huge Canada trucker trucking protest going going on, and it has to do with the very liberal premier of Canada and one of his most recent edicts regarding COVID. Now, now follow me on on this one. Um, and and what's really getting a lot of attention is, is people in Canada uh, tend to be very, very subservient to authority. You know, you, you don't see large protests. In Canada, for whatever reason, if government tells you to do it, typically people decide to do it. Well, well here's the deal. For the last two years, during the COVID pandemic, truck drivers in Canada were considered to be essential workers. And so they have historically been exempt from vaccine mandates because, you know, the, the goods have to, to get to the stores and things like that. Now, 85% of, of truckers are, in fact, vaccinated. Right, so that's the background. So even though they're essential workers and they've been exempt from vaccine mandates, about 85% are, in fact, mandated. Now, we are vaccinated. Now, you've been, you're hearing all the, the different reports. We talked about a little bit about this yesterday. I don't know if it's whether it's science or, or candidly, I think it's polls and elections coming up. Even in the, the bluest of states, you see one governor after another bailing on, like, the statewide uh, lockdowns and the mask requirements and stuff because in general i think people have just had enough of it and the numbers are getting better even fauci is talking about how there's a return to normalcy and again i think people have had enough like i say and some of these politicians particularly those who are looking at the november elections understand that if you're a democrat this is a loser issue for you so now all of a sudden the science is we we can start to lighten things up. Well, Justin Trudeau, who's the Prime Minister of Canada, he's decided to go the other direction. So despite the fact that for the last two years, truckers have been exempt from the vaccine mandate, and despite the fact that things are getting much, much better on the COVID front, 
what happened is a couple weeks ago, Trudeau decided to order that truckers who want to cross back into the country from the U.S. must be vaccinated. So after two years of you're an essential worker, you don't have to do this, they've now put in this order saying that you've got to be vaccinated, despite the fact that for the last two years you you haven't, and there's no real evidence that the truckers, essential workers, have contributed to any sort of, of surge or anything like that. But they've chosen in Canada this moment to put this rule into effect. And so the result of this is you've had this massive, massive sort of protest which has broken out, which is truckers that are, you know, engaging in blockades and they're stopping their trucks on the road and and they're preventing, you know, trucks from going by. And it's freaking out people in Canada because they're just used to people like rolling over and complying with whatever the government says. And so now they're saying, well, if if we find people that are participating in these these blockades and stuff, what we're going to do is we're going to arrest them without warrants and all those things. All right. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, if you've got these these trucking truckers or, and they're doing the blockades and they're violating the law, I, you prosecute them, you know, arrest them. You, you, whether it's a Black Lives Matter protester or a Stop the Steal protester, if you violate the law, you need to be held accountable. Having said that, though, having said that, considering the fact that truck drivers have been essential workers for the perspective of Canada for the last two years and therefore exempt from vaccine mandates, understanding that the COVID situation is improving, that we are returning to normalcy, the idea that this is the point in time where you would try to change that rule and now say to the truckers, you've got to be vaccinated to come back from the United States into Canada, I think is incredibly heavy-handed, and I understand why people are mad as heck at the government. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, my perspective on this has always been, as somebody who is vaccinated and boosted, I don't think the government should be issuing mandates, and especially at this point in time in COVID. If you've been able to go for the last two years with exempting these inter, uh, these international truckers from the rules to now suddenly at this point in time turn around and say, now we're going to make the rule apply to you, I-, I think is a government overreach, whether it's a Canadian government overreach or a U.S. government overreach. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's what's going on with this COVID with it, with this trucker situation and and the blockades and things like that, it's people who believe the government's going way too far with this. And given where we are in the pandemic, I agree with them. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, off the air, there was just a heavy sigh as I'm looking at some of the texts that are coming in from people who have lost their ability to think rationally about these different issues. Now, as I said, if you engage in illegal conduct, I think you need to be prosecuted. And, yes, if you've got Canadian truckers who are 
blocking traffic and are doing these types of things and are violating different laws, yeah, they, they need to be prosecuted. They need to be held accountable, just like January 6th. Protesters, rioters, insurrectionists need to be held accountable, just like the people in Kenosha need to be held accountable, just like people in Madison who were engaging in riots need to be held accountable. But but that's not that wasn't the point of this. My point is I understand where their frustration is coming from because, in my opinion, you have a very, very heavy-handed government that decides two years into the pandemic, after having exempted truckers from the vaccination rules because they were essential workers at this point when things are lightening up now decides we are going to bring in the force of government and we're going to say now you have to be vaccinated if you want to come into the country despite the fact that okay they've been doing this for the last two years and at the height of the pandemic there's no evidence that they contributed to any sort of surge so yeah if, if this is a protest that crosses the line, I have no problems with the prosecution, but it doesn't mean I am not unsympathetic to the cause because, again, you have another example of, I think, heavy-handed government coming in with regard to the pandemic and without any necessary justification for it. I mean, if you could go for two years treating them as essential workers, why make the vaccine mandate apply now when we're by all stretches of the imagination, unless you don't believe Anthony Fauci, um, we're, we're coming out of the pandemic. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and um, Text line um let's see if the drivers have canadian government health care i think they need to comply if they're under private health care it's probably an overreach to require a vaccination you know the, the vaccination has been required for the longest time but they've been exempting it my point is what they're trying to do now to put it in place at this point in time is one of the frustrations and i understand why people are upset jeff i'm very happy to see a large part of hard-working essential group of people take on government mandates i hope they stick to their guns from everything i've seen it has been peaceful yeah you're, you're not talking about rioting or looting it might be in a pain in a butt to a lot of people in canada near the borders but i see no comparison to people that were occupying major cities looting burning down buildings or I would add, you know, storming the Capitol. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, you know how I end up seeing it as, as, as well. But this is what happens when you have governments that decide that we're not going to necessarily follow the science and we're just going to decide we're going to put in rules whether these rules make any sense at the time they are being imposed or not. This is undoubtedly, I think, one of the reasons why you see so many governors in so many Democratic states. By the way, I just got a text. Las Vegas, uh, Nevada. Nevada has just become the latest state with a blue state governor to drop the mask mandates. They're announcing that that today, dropping the mask mandates. I don't know if there's still local governments that keep them in place, but the statewide mask mandate is going away. And I think part of it is we understand where we are in the pandemic, but another part of this is that a lot of these politicians are recognizing that people have moved on, that there's no longer a political will for this. If people want to wear masks, people have every right to wear masks. Go with God if that's the decision. But this requirement that you do so, it's just losing massive amounts of public support. The, the last bastion of this, and we talked about this yesterday, you know, continues to be the White House and Joe Biden and his rule that you, you need to wear masks in, in airports and on airplanes. A rule that, that, to me, if you can go to 
a, a football stadium or a basketball stadium and sit maskless next to people who are cheering and yelling for two or three hours, why you can't walk through an airport without a mask doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But a lot of this stuff doesn't make that much sense. And again, this comes from the perspective of somebody who is vaccinated and boosted, but we, we, we're now, we were told for years to follow the science. Now, well, we don't necessarily have to follow the science. We just have to follow what we think is going to be good politics. Interesting. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News.